You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. This show is for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media at bgtfshow. We're very pleased to be joined this evening for our, our guest special episode of the British GT Fans Show uh, by Matt Cowley, uh, Academy Motorsport Ford Mustang GT4 driver and the most recent GT4 race winner in the championship. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's very good to have you here. So we'll start off, as I say, with with some some more formal questions. Of course, the first one's going to be tell us a little bit about yourself and and how it is you got into racing. Hey, so um, I'm Matt Cowley. I'm 22 years old and I'm from Manchester. Um, I got into racing doing go karting. I actually went to a friend's go karting party when I was younger, and then did well and was like, as every kid does, everything they do well and they want to do it more. So, um, yeah, it kind of started from that, went indoor go-karting, then outdoor go-karting, and then the day that I turned 16, I did my R's license and started racing cars. And you started off in, in Formula 4, didn't you, and, and had some, some success in that? Yeah, uh, I did Formula 4 for a number of years and then went to America and raced F1600 in America. And I was a double US champion out there in one year, which was pretty good. And then I uh, came back and did European GT4 last year in the Aston and then British GT this year in the Mustang. Right. So a six years and, and, and a very successful six years. So with the uh, the Formula Ford, because of course we're British GT show, but we do like to, to see other motorsport. You, you've particularly, I've seen you've had some strong results at things like the Walter Hayes. That's got to be a very, very hard thing to do to, to do well at. I mean, you compete with 150 other guys, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, the Walter Hayes and the Formula 4 Festival is it's the big events at the end of the year for a reason. There's 150 people at each, and I'd say the top 20 are all within a shot of winning it. So the qualifying and the heats and stuff is always difficult and tough. But yeah, I've managed to come away with some good results, which was good. Um, one of them being second at the Walter Hayes a couple of years ago, where I actually had to start last in the... Uh, last chance race because I got taken out in the heat and then ended up overtaking over 80 cars or something I think to finish second in the final so so doing it the easy way then <laughs> yeah exactly yeah Don't, didn't want to make it too easy for everyone else you know <laughs> yeah and I mean there's guys that specialise in in uh, things like the Walter Hayes and, and Formula Ford Festival as well isn't there there's, there's guys that just that's their racing for the year and, and they, they build up to that and so finishing second in company that's uh, that's specialising in running those old Formula Ford cars with the, is it Kent engines still. Yeah, it's the uh, 1.6 Kent engines in them. Yeah, so it's, it is it is quite an achievement. And then over to America, FF1600. Now, I don't know much about the the junior open wheel ladder in the States. I've, I've, I've heard of IndyCar and a couple of things on the road to Indy. FF1600, where does that sit equivalent to, to, to British motorsport? Um, it's basically the equivalent to the Formula Ford in Britain as well. So it's the same chassis. They just run a Honda engine, so they can't call it Formula Ford. But yeah, it's basically the same thing, to be honest. And that would have been the the My Gales and, and the Sinters and that sort of thing that were running the Formula Ford EcoBoost? Yeah, 
yeah, so it, the My Girl chassis is the same chassis that they use over there as well. And then they have um, what are called uh, Spectrums and stuff and some kind of one-off kind of custom-made cars out there as well, which is quite cool to see. That's a, a very tricky form of racing, isn't it? Because whilst these days it does have slick tyres and wings, it's, they're, they're, they're almost wings that are for show, aren't they? They don't really do that much. Yeah, no, they do nothing, to be honest. So when you're running behind people, you run right up behind them, basically pushing them along. And yeah, so it makes it makes some really good racing. Everyone's really close out there as well. And yeah, it's really close, really hard battling all the time. Um, when I won one of the championships, it was at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was a one-off race. And I think about five of us were on the last lap were still in the position going to the line, which was, it was really good to see. It was a really good race. Yeah, I'm I'm looking through your your, your 2017 races now. Um, I mean, there's some circuits there that are on my bucket list: VAR, Mid Ohio, IMS. I mean, New Jersey and Pittsburgh are about the only ones I've not heard of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's some properly iconic circuits there. Yeah, um, I got to do a lot of cool circuits while I was out there. There was a couple on that list that I actually did as well. So I did Road Atlanta, uh, Road America. Watkins Glen as well, kind of hit up all the major ones that I could. And how how do you find the racing in the States? Um, they do it differently to us over there, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's a lot more chilled out kind of thing. Like over here, everyone's kind of always focused on their job and stuff. Whereas out in America, everyone's kind of chilled out and it's like, oh, we've got time to do that. We've got time to do this and everything. And then it gets to about half an hour before and then, it's kind of go time and everyone kind of gets focused on what, what they need to do. So it's a it's a bit of a different way kind of in the paddock and then the racing as well. It's a bit different. Um, I'd, I'd say it's kind of similar as in there's a few up front at the same pace, but then the few behind are kind of further behind than they would be in the UK kind of thing. Right. And then you claimed victory in the SCCA runoffs at Indianapolis. Now, I know SCCA Sports Car Club of America. That's about all I know. <laughs> um, oh, and I've heard, I've heard of Indianapolis as well, surprisingly. So, so what, what, what's, is that like their version of the Walter Hayes? Or? Yeah, so um, it's a one-off race at the end of the year. All you have is qualifying and then one race. But it, it kind of, it's an event that goes over two weeks, basically. So you qualify one week, kind of like the Indy 500, and then you race the next week. Um, so yeah, it's quite cool. It's four days of qualifying and it's your quickest time from all four. And then, yeah, you have the one-off race and then whoever wins takes the championship. That's it. That's how it works. And is that on the, on the road course or is that, is that on the, yeah, so that's the road course as well. We didn't do ovals in the 1600. Yeah. (laughs) It's a brave man. A brave man (laughs) does a brickyard oval in a a Formula Ford car, isn't it? Yeah, I, I gave it a good go. I, um, accidentally missed my break zone going into turn one and, unfortunately had to do a loop of the oval as well just the direction that was the only thing you know it's amazing how many times i've heard that from drivers at rockingham as well <laughs> i know i know it seems to happen a lot doesn't it <laughs> yeah if everybody misses that breaking point at dean at least once <laughs> yeah i think you've got to miss it at least once just to find the limit you know yeah and the only safe place That's to rejoin is at speedway four yeah exactly it's, it, it's not to go do the oval no one likes that part it's just finding the limit for the track so is there do you have any desire to do overall racing at all or Um, i think if the opportunity came up i'd like to give it a go definitely i mean i'm a racing driver who wouldn't want to go racing 
Uh, but racing is quite cool. Everyone's so close around it and the way the draft works and stuff like that. And you have to drive the cars a lot differently on ovals. It's It'd be a good experience to do. So I'd definitely give it a go if it, the opportunity came up. So 2008 USF4, was that the sort of like the, um, as it was over here, what was Formula Ford became Formula Four? Or? Yeah, it's, um, it's essentially the equivalent to F4 in the UK as well. The ladder, it's, it's pretty similar. The ladder out there is pretty similar to the one in the UK. It's just, it's all called different things. But yeah, <laughs> so I gave the F4 a go out there. It was with a new team and the team struggled setting up the car. So it wasn't the best season. So we uh, pulled out about halfway through because it was costing a lot of money to kind of go nowhere. Yeah, that's that's the problem with, with, with racing in America. Just Just getting everywhere costs a lot because... I mean, we think we travel a long way to get from Sheffield to Brands Hatch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Try, um, try, well, try running uh, from the Bay Area in yeah. San Francisco over to Watkins Glen. It's, uh... Yeah, yeah. I, I, when I was out there, I lived in Florida and um, I drove to all the race meetings. So I was driving from Florida to, to New Jersey, which I think is about 18 hours on the sat-nav. So, yeah, they're, they're long drives. See, I'm a I'm I'm a truck driver by trade, and I'm sitting there thinking, eighteen hours to get to a race meeting. Stop that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a long drive. I think the best we did was that drive, and I did it in a day, just nonstop. Jeez, <laughs> my word. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then slept at, slept at the racetrack for two days before the race meeting. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> got there, got in the truck, and fell asleep. <laughs> so. You came back into Europe last year, um, yeah. and in- instead of coming back to the UK completely, you you went to the European GT4 series. Now, British GT fans will will know of the European GT4 series. It's raced with us at Silverstone and Spa a few times, but it's 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 a bit different. And there's there's quite a few cars there, quite a few different cars there, and the circuits that you hit. There's there's some there's some strong venues there, isn't there? Yeah, that was kind of part of the reason why I chose to do European last year instead of British GT. Um, Academy Motorsport, I was talking with them at the start of the season and they were saying, where would you rather be, Alton Park on Easter weekend or Monza? So it was kind of a bit of a no-brainer, really. <laughs> I take it the person you were talking to was their sales director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> They're good at their job as well. <laughs> yeah. Monza, Brands, Paul Ricard, Misano, Zanver, Nürburgring. Yeah, last, that, last year was a good calendar. <laughs> that, that, that's one heck of a calendar. Plus, as we say, Formula Ford, Festival, Brands Hatch, Walter Hayes Trophy, and Formula Ford 1600 at Knockhill. That, yeah, that, that must have been one up Knockhill race as well, just to throw it in, just to compare it with Monza. <laughs> and? Um... The, the weather was better at, oh, I can't even say the weather was better at Monza. When I went, it was uh, pouring it down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I like Not Kill. I think it's a really fun circuit, to be fair, but it, it doesn't quite compare with Monza. That's the only problem. So, obviously, after after last year, um doesn't say where you finished in the championship last year on your website. Um, yeah, uh, last year, we struggled because it was a brand new car. Um, they were kind of BOP in it quite a lot so we were getting really restricted so it was a it was a tough season we i i can't remember where we finished but it wasn't high up in the point at all 
Yep. Okay. That, that that's fair enough. And Academy, they they struggled with the car over here as well um, to to get quite to grips with it. Yeah, so, it was a it's a tricky car to set up. I mean, TF have obviously done it really well with their results last year and this year. But um, yeah, it's a tricky car to set up. And Academy did a good job last year. Uh, they were running both series as well, so they did a really good job prepping the cars and everything. Their cars were always spot on. But yeah, the B, the BOP and European, we had some decent results. Um, the brands we were running, I think P4 at one point in the European, and it was a really strong field last year of drivers as well, which was co- good to see after, until a couple of incidents kind of didn't go our way and we ended up dropping back. But yeah, uh, this year with Academy, it's looking a lot better. Of course, this year, we're obviously in a very similar car, I say, tongue-in-cheek. Uh, long bonnet, V8 underneath it, driving the wheel wheels, coupe bodywork. They're basically the same, aren't they? Um, it, when you put it like that, they sound pretty similar, yeah. <laughs> what's what's the Mustang like compared to the Aston Martin? What's the Mustang like just for, for a car to drive? Uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit of an animal, to be honest, yeah. Um, it's kind of how you'd imagine a Mustang to be. You've got to kind of grab it by the scruff of the neck and tell it what to do. And then if you kind of, if you are if a bit too brutal with it, it'll try and bite your head off. <laughs> yeah, it it looks amazing. It's, it sounds beautiful. Um, it, it seemed like it took a, a little while to gel with the car. Is it drastically different? Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot different to the Aston that I drove last year, but... I think the problem was that uh, me and my teammate, Jordan Albert, we didn't do any pre-season testing, whereas I know pretty much everyone else on the grid had quite a lot of days of that. So it kind of put us on the back foot, but we've got to grips with the car. Yeah, we're looking strong. And do you think not having the second car is is adversely affecting you guys compared to HHC and TF? I mean, having a second car is always better. It's more data to look through, kind of more stuff that you can see go wrong so if something goes wrong in one car you can check it on the other kind of thing which mm-hmm. bit by a couple of times now um so yeah i mean having a second car is always better but i think the academy are doing a really good job with just the one car and yeah it's looking good so obviously it's yourself and jordan for for this year um you've reached a a, a really good level now with a victory at at brands hatch Talk us through the race at Brands Hatch because it must have been quite nerve-wracking. Yeah, um, we had an issue in qualifying, so we were actually starting second to last on the grid. And then Jordan started the race and he did a really good job at kind of pulling through the traffic and getting near to the front pack. And then obviously the safety car that we had about midway through from the Bentley helped. And then Jordan came into the pits in P3 uh, I got handed over the car and then after half a lap after the safety car we were P1 and then it was just kind of managing the gap from there and you were managing the gap quite well even before championship leaders decided to play bumper cars weren't you <laughs> yeah um, before the second safety car I think I had about a second lead and I was just kind of holding it there trying not to burn off too much of my tyres because I'd used a lot pulling out the gap but then after the safety car uh, I couldn't really pull out a gap so it was just kind of defending in the right place, making sure I do the right things at the right time and just keeping them just at an arm's reach away, just making sure that they can't kind of have that dive bomb move and stuff like that. How are the new tyres? Because Pirelli made quite a song and dance about the fact they were bringing new compounds for both GT3 and GT4 this year. Are they more resilient than they were last year? 
Yeah, um, they don't they don't have as big a drop off as they did last year, so they're a bit of a bad thing seems a bit, but it doesn't really seem to slow you down as so far. I think this season our qualifying paces have been quicker than last year's, um, just overall top time. So yeah, it's a it's a good tire to be fair. Um, the Mustang's good on its tires though, so it's kind of a bit of a hindrance to us. We like everyone else kind of burning up their tires. Yeah, it seems to be helping everyone else out. <laughs> ah, hey. Stops you from being bored, though. Yeah, exactly. It definitely keeps the races interesting for the fans. Now, we've got Donington Park again coming up next, then Snetterton and Silverstone. What do you think your, your chances are for the rest of the season? Um, I'd like to say they're pretty good. We've got to grips with the car now. Um, we found the issue that we had at Brands, and that's fixed, and we showed really good pace. Uh, we've got a bit more wet testing under our belts because obviously the first race at Donington last time was wet and that was actually the first time I'd driven the car in the rain and it was Jordan's as well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to say going forward that we're looking pretty good. Even with the success penalty we have over the course of a three-hour race, I don't think it's going to be too bad. So hoping for another strong finish at uh, Donington. And looking again back through through your 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 career today, Snetterton, have you actually raced there before? Um, I did a Formula Ford race there at the beginning of this year just to shake down the car because um, the team was using it so I literally just went for a shakedown but that was it and there was only two of us there or something like that so I've never properly raced around there So it's a, it's, it's a bit of a new adventure going for two, two sprint races in Norfolk then? Yeah, pretty much I mean most of the, I think the only track that I've raced on in the past four years was Brands, um, which I think shows because I was kind of straight on the pace there, even though we had the issue. Mm -hmm. uh, so kind of coming back to all these tracks, it's first time in a while. So uh, yeah, it's, it's get, getting grips to the track as quickly as possible because obviously I haven't been to them in such a long time, whereas everyone else on the grid has. Uh, that, that, that's fair enough. Now, of course... We'd love to see you in British GT for a long time and, and moving up to GT3 in, in time. But what are your goals? Where where are you aiming to be now? I mean, you've you, you've tried the single-seater ladder. You appear to have moved into GTs. Yeah. Um, obviously, the goal is Le Mans and WEC, uh, World Endurance Car Championship. That's kind of the pinnacle of GT racing. So that's where I'd like to be eventually. But obviously, there's a long road to get there first. So just kind of make, making my way up the ranks is the aim at the minute. And would 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 you want to stay in GT, or would you would you consider going to prototypes? Um, I do I do quite enjoy the GT racing. To be honest, it's because you've got the fenders, you can be a bit bit more um, aggressive and kind of get your elbows out a bit more. Whereas obviously prototypes is heading back towards single seats where they're quite uh, flimsy and get damaged quite easily. So um, I'm I'm quite liking GTs at the minute, yeah. And also the aircon really helps. <laughs> I'm sure it does. So. <laughs> Probably gets a bit warm in that car on a hot day. Yeah, it's. Um, I think the first round at Alton when it was about thirty degrees, it was uh, a bit, bit toasty in there. Yes, <laughs> yes. You're listening to the British GT Fan Show. Follow us on social media at BGTF Show, and don't forget to check out our partners, the British GT fans, on social media at Fans of British GT on Twitter and Instagram, and British GT fans on Facebook. So let's let's pass over to Gaz and uh, and and do some of the fan questions, and then we'll, uh, we'll 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 come back to the to the quick fire questions. Sounds good. 
Hello, Matt. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Good, good. Um, so I was just listening to your conversation there, um, and that, that last point about uh, aiming for Le Mans, do you prefer the endurance side of it? Yeah, I think the endurance side, it adds a bit of a different factor into the sprint races. Obviously, coming up through single seats, I've only ever done sprint races. And doing the endurance with the pit stops, refueling, and strategy coming into it, it adds a bit more of excitement to the race that you don't get in the sprint races. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big endurance fan. So, I mean, I watch endurance races from all around the world, um, you know, the IGCC and, and, and what have you, producing some of the best races, in my opinion. Are there any um, tracks or any big endurance races then you, you really want to tick off? Um, I think Spa, definitely. Uh, Le Mans as well is obviously a big one. I, I'd quite like to go out and do the uh, Dubai 24-hour, uh, 12-hour, sorry. That would be a good one as well because the Dubai track looks amazing. So is that the Golf 12 hours or the... Yeah, the Golf 12 hour. Oh, round Yas Marina? Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that looks a stunning track when, when it's in the darkness, that does. Yeah, exactly. Racing into the night, it'd be uh, awesome to do that. And what about the 24 hours of Dubai that starts the year? Would that be something that pique your interest? Um, definitely, yeah. I'd, uh, I'd love to go do that as well, but obviously budget becomes a bit of an issue when you're doing all those long-distance races because um, it's a lot of money to kind of get them going. <laughs> Hopefully that you know that nice that nice um, manufacturer drive might be uh, might be a few uh, maybe a couple of years away. Yeah, okay, so we're going to get into some of the um, listener questions. Uh, the first one we have got here is from Rob Stark. He says, "Firstly, Mega Drive at Brands." Uh, his question is, um, "Where do you feel the Mustang strong or weak against your other GT4 cars?" Oh, uh, I don't know if I should be giving this away. <laughs> um, <laughs> The Mustang definitely has a strength coming off the corners because obviously it's a big V8 and everything else is running turbos and stuff. So yeah, the Mustang's strong off the corners. We do lack a bit top end compared to all the other cars. So um, it's really maximizing getting off the corners so that they're not able to overtake you by the end of the straight. Uh, obviously on our side, it makes overtaking a bit difficult because most overtaking points are at the end of a straight. So yeah, that's one. And then um, we're, qu we're quite good on tires over a long race distance which helps, whereas kind of the McLarens, definitely they are hard on their tyres and kind of eat away at them. So that's another bonus for the Mustang. Yeah. So and the, the, the cornering thing, is, I mean, obviously you've got the, the, the naturally aspirated V8, yeah, but then, of course, you've got that, again, going on V8, you've got a heavy lump in the front of that car. It's the, what, is it still the biggest engine on the grid at the moment, five litre? Uh, yeah, I believe it is the biggest engine on the grid still, um, but we do pay a price for that where they're also the heaviest car on the grid. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. Um, next question comes from Steve Davis, uh, probably one of two from several people. Mate. Um, where do you see yourself in five years' time? Um, as I said previously, hopefully five years' time, I'll be racing in WEC as kind of a factory driver and racing at Le Mans and yeah, representing my country and then my manufacturer as well. Any, any aims as in, in terms of which, which manufacturers at the moment or... Um, I'd like to say Ford, but obviously the <laughs> WEC team at the minute. That's, yeah, yeah. They're not running a WEC car at the minute, so um, all options are open at the minute, yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so um, from Tom Davis, we've got, uh, did you have to change your driving style when you switched from the Aston to the Ford? Yeah, the the cars are 
completely different to be honest the way you have to drive them with the aston it's kind of works within a certain window and you've got to drive it a certain way to keep it in that window whereas the ford you just as i said before you just grab it by the scruff of the neck and kind of have to tell it what to do and drive the car rather than asking it what to do like you do with the aston nice nice uh Okay, so the next one here is from Mark Hedinger. Um, was there a big leap forward in the cars that allowed the drivers to do so well in the last race, or was the car naturally stronger at brands? If it was a set of improvement, will it translate into a significantly stronger in performance at Donington? It's a bit of a long one, I know, but... <laughs> um, yeah, I think we found a couple of issues on the car that we weren't sure whether we'd been having the whole time or just at brands. So we managed to change that. And yeah, uh, I think as drivers, we both took a step forward as well, which helped at the same time that we found this issue. And um, hopefully going forward, yeah, it'll be just as good because Brands isn't one of our strongest tracks, to be fair, with the big straights. But Donington is quite a strong track for us. So hopefully we'll be quick at Donington as well. Are you looking forward to the three-hour round there? Yeah, definitely. It's the first time I've done a three-hour and um, I quite like Donington as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be, should be good fun. Nice. Okay. Uh, next one is from Gary Courtman. Uh, those last few laps at Brands last week must have been a nail biting to drive and with a and a delight to cross the line with all the drama going behind you. Uh, it certainly was a spectator. Uh, I suppose you, if only once you just want to kind of expand on that. I suppose um, yeah. you know, obviously the Astons were fighting amongst themselves on the last on the last lap as well. So yeah, um, it was actually the last few laps that was kind of the easiest part of the race for me, to be honest. Got started battling and I managed to get a bit of a gap and just kind of keep GT3s in between us because GT3s were lapping us at the same time. But yeah, I mean, it was a really tough race, after, especially after the second safety car. I had three cars behind me the whole time and uh, just hadn't, having to try and keep them behind. It was a lot of pressure. And then as they started battling, I was getting kind of relieved because I could see myself just pulling a little gap and pulling a little gap and pulling a little gap. Yeah. And it definitely got a bit hectic for the other three cars in the last couple of laps. Just let them fight between themselves and get that clean air. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just keep my nose clean, keep doing what I was doing, and yeah, just focus on what's more important the race when or kind of getting in battle. Excellent. Uh, okay, so the next one comes from Harry Dennison. Um, how do you see your chances of winning GC4 this year? Um, before Brands, it would have been a completely different answer, but after Brands, now that we've... Um, got comfortable in the car a bit more, found a bit of pace. I'd like to say that we're definitely in with a shot of winning. Um, me and Jordan are both, I'd like to think we're both pretty quick. Um, but I get, again, so is everyone on the grid. So it's definitely going to be a tough slog, but hopefully we'll be able to just put in some consistent results and, yeah, clinch, clinch championship. You've tasted victory once he wants to taste it again, yeah, surely. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. When you kind of get a feel for it, it's hard to let go of and you obviously want to keep getting it. Okay, um, this one's a bit of a um, you know uh, pie in the sky kind of thing. But from Tom Davis, we got the ultimate five car garage, but the cars cannot be from the same country. Oh, okay. Um, so I think '67 uh, Ford Mustang Fastback would be first one. Um, there's cars since I was a kid. To be fair, Kingsegg uh, definitely. I think it's one of my favourite cars built. It's just, it's a bit ridiculous on what it can do and everything like that. And it looks good as well. Um, probably have a Rolls Royce because it's British and who doesn't like a bit of comfort? Uh, 
Nissan GTR from Japan because they're they're a really cool car, really tunable. You can have a lot of fun with one of them. And then try to think what else now. Um, Renault Megane RS, just because you can have a little play in them, a little nippy car, take to the shops as well. And it's probably the only one that I've picked that isn't going to chew through fuel. <laughs> the day-to-day drive, the go-down-the-shops drive. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just so I don't have to remortgage a house for fuel. <laughs> and isn't, isn't it a garage that you'd love to have when the car that's turning in 28, 29 to the gallon is the most fuel efficient? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with the Koenigsegg as well, in going back to your Le Mans uh, aspirations, were you, were you excited to see some of the... Uh, this is going well off the subject of British GT. In your, uh, were you excited to see the new hypercar regulations uh, in terms of what it might have brought? It's not bringing much at the moment, I think, but... You know, Koenigsegg, you know, that's what, those, that's what those regulations were built to attract, if you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of right up their street. They're already building cars that could basically compete anyway. Um, I think it might take a year or two, but I think it'll be good in the long run. Uh, definitely bring up a lot more competition. And manufacturers will, I think, after the first year, will definitely be getting on board. I know of a few that want to, but because of circumstances that have gone on this year, uh, rumours that I've heard um, that's why they haven't kind of got on board yet but yeah I think it'll be good for the championship yeah I mean I thought Koenigsegg would have been just like Aston they just have to detune one of their cars and just send it out on track yeah so. exactly so I'd, I'd like to see them get on board because their cars are some of the cool I've seen and I've seen race they were they were ready to join was it LMP 900 or was it GT1 something like that yeah they they had once, the car built and the rules changed, so the car never raced. Yeah. I can't remember what it finally was. I think it might have been GT1 that one. Well. Yeah, it'd be good to see them finally race and build a car and see how they do. Okay, so um, another question from Mark Hedinger. How does the Mustang do with tyre management? For a front-engine car, it seems to be strong with preserving tyres. Is that due to strategy, driving style, or is it inherent strength with the car? Um, it's the strength of the car. Obviously, if you go out there and you push as hard as you can on every lap, then you're going to burn through your tyres no matter how good the car is on tyres. So it's something that we have to manage as well, that we do quite a good job of at the minute. Um, Academy have kind of helped coach us on that and what to do in that process. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a mixture of all three, basically. The car is good on tyres, but you do have to preserve them and kind of drive them in the right way. And Academy do a great job with the kind of strategy and pit stops and stuff. Uh, and now this is going into your charity work. Um, from Steve Davis, he said he wants to know, what made you choose Shore Mind as your charity to represent? Um, I've, been, I've been involved with Shore Mind for about five years now. Um, I kind of got talking to them when they were little. They asked me to sign the petition to get them into Parliament to discuss getting mental health taught in schools. And I thought it was a, a really good idea for that to happen because I know when I was at school, that never happened. And it's obviously it's a big issue among men especially, but it's a big issue for women as well. Um, so yeah, I, I just kind of got on board with that and anything I, said, I told them, if I can help with anything else, give me a shout. And yeah, I've been kind of helping them out ever since. Uh, they've I'm do, busy doing a uh, mental health first aid training course at the minute so that I can help out with them a bit more and I kind of go do talks for them and stuff like that as well. Excellent, excellent. I mean, as a sufferer myself, I mean, I found, because I also marshal as well, um, I, I found that, you know, just getting up off the sofa 
on a weekend i go marshalling at a track just really helped it just kind of escape from where you feel where you might feel a bit like a prisoner in your own home you know what i mean so yeah yeah exactly i mean the thing is there's a lot there's a lot of stuff out there that people that are suffering with it don't know about like sure mind um because they they have helplines and stuff where they can put you on to people that you can talk to just to talk through it but yeah definitely getting up and getting out and doing something releasing endorphins or adrenaline or whatever it, it yeah. really help you if you're in that kind of position just going out for a walk i found is just you know so so much better <laughs> yeah just, just clears the head exactly yeah uh that's it for the list of questions thank you very much for for, for doing these matt no worries thank you i've been doing a little bit of research while you guys have been talking and i do apologize you've not got the biggest engine on the grid you've got the biggest engine in gt4 by a decent spec voxel Corsa. <laughs> um, um, because the biggest other engine in GT4 is a four-liter engine, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, Aston Martin. So you've got a one point two. You've you've got one point two liters over. <laughs> you so are it's not a bad lead to have. <laughs> no, you are the same engine size as the Lamborghini and the Audi. <laughs> but I'm afraid to say you're two cylinders short of them. Oh. And the Mercedes. GT3 car takes the biscuit. So six six point two zero weight cub, uh, cubic centimeter engine. So six point three liter V8. Yeah. It's a monster. Yeah, it's a it's a big engine. That <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the same one in the Aston then as well because I use uh, yeah, no yeah. the Aston GT3 car is the four liter engine out the road car retuned. So it's the same oh, right. same four liter as it is in the GT4 and under the skin. It's just obviously they've. I think the only thing that's the same is the block. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything else is updated to get to GT3 levels of power. Yeah, probably. I can imagine them doing a lot of work on that. <laughs> yes, but you, you you have got a bigger engine than most of the GT3 field. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not a bad accolade to have when you're in a GT4. And I think you are... Now, you're not the largest naturally aspirated. You're co-equal largest naturally aspirated, aren't you? Because all the 5.2s are naturally aspirated. Yeah. The Mercedes, the... Oh, no, the 6.3 litres are naturally aspirated as well. Naturally aspirated, yeah. Yeah. But the um, the Aston Martins are all turboed now, aren't they? And yeah. the McLarens are turboed. Yeah. yeah. I, what I really feel sorry for is the Toyota Supra. It's only got three litres. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a few turbos to help it along the way. Yeah, but it's, it's turned up at a, turned up at a gunfight with a pen, with a pen knife, <laughs> <laughs> and it's doing it's doing pretty. Da- are you are you as surprised by that super as the rest of us are? Um, at the first round I was, but now it's kind of where you expect to be. It's a really strong car. Um, the guys at Speedworks are doing a good job with it as well. To be fair. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a strong car, definitely. It's it's quick. It's actually surprisingly fast on the straights, and it handles really, really well. But this, of course, is a is an official Toyota product, isn't it? Whereas our previous experience of Toyotas is GPRM built from a road car chassis, isn't it? Yeah, it's been it's it's a really well designed car, and it's been kind of put really well and thought about, and there's been a lot of engineering that's gone into that process. So Toyota have done a really good job with that. So, Sarah, quick fire questions. I think we've probably done the three car garage already, haven't we? You don't know. 
Saying that, yeah, with with our criteria, it could be different, couldn't it? Mm-hmm. Could be. It throws a lot of difference in when you've got to pick your cars in your countries very carefully. Mm. Yeah, that that was my problem. I had to change country every time. Did I did I did I skip you picking an Italian car, or didn't you pick an Italian one? I don't think I picked an Italian one. I I damn near fell out my chair when you picked a Renault. <laughs> uh, Renault's are little sporty cars. They're good fun to drive. Yeah, I um, I long for a go in a Clio V6. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's yeah, that's a one car. It is cool. Mm. It look, looks like a bit of a death trap, but it looks good fun to drive. Well, um, blame your competition for that. Because <laughs> me, me, a flu. It was part of the team that designed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I I think it's such a cool car that got built and wish mm-hmm. it had been produced. <laughs> yes, o- only the French come up with things like that, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Why not shove a big V six into a tiny little Clio? If only the Brits did that, I'd swap the back seat. <laughs> I'd swap the back seats of my Mini for the V eight from a for from the, for the V eight from an M five. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't complain about doing that either. <laughs> It'd be a bit larry though. <laughs> Yes, as um as Rick Parfit said about his um about his motorhome, the only thing it won't pass is a is a petrol station. <laughs> right, I'm going to shut up and let Sarah ask some questions now. I was going to say it's a, it's a nice segue into the quick fire questions. Um, so you have had a little bit of time to prepare with these, Matt. So yep. the first one we've got for you is the best and worst car that you've ever driven. It can be a road car or a race car. Feel free to not hold back. Everyone seems to be really polite about the worst one. Um, um, but... <laughs> did, yeah, did you hear uh... Tom Hornsby? <laughs> he butchered the Suzuki. <laughs> um, best car is probably the uh, Ford Mustang. <laughs> Road or race? Yep. <laughs> Mustang race car, GT4. And then um, worst car, I've probably got to say is uh the Ford Capri that I own that I drive on the road. It's um tries to kill you every time you drive it, but I do love it. <laughs> I, I love Ford Capris I mean they're, they're amazing cars. I still I still spot own one. I've got a um, Mark II nineteen seventy six one point three Capri. Nice, nice. Yeah the 1.3 engine is definitely not as good as the uh two two point eight injection and the three litre. Yeah yeah. <laughs> it struggles up hills a bit, but once you get the speed up, it stays there. Nice. I think the Capri is about the only car that Ford UK sold that I would ever part with my own money for. I mean, I, it, it's mine's a bit of a death trap. It does uh, try to kill me every time I drive it. It might be the way I drive it though, but um, I'd say I, I love that car. I've had it. It was my first car actually. I drove it for about two years every day, and yeah, I, I love it. I could never sell it now. That's the problem. <laughs> So next up on the questions is the best and worst circuit. Um, best circuit, that's it's a difficult one to choose from because obviously racing in America, I've got to go. So to... you've got a good choice to... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've done, done a lot of Europe, done most of America and done all of the UK. So uh, there's a lot to choose from, but I've got to say, I think Brands Hatch GP is probably my favourite circuit. It's, um, there's nothing else like it in the world, to be honest. The way the, the, way the corners kind of the undulations on the corners and how all of them are blind and it's all full commitment as well. 
it's one of the toughest tracks I've ever raced on. I know that, and yeah, I've got a special place for that for that track. The question I have on that one is: Was it your favourite circuit seven days ago? <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought that might come. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always, I've, I've always loved the GP circuit. It's just round the back section is just full commitment, and yeah, it's basically like just close your eyes and put your foot flat and hope that the best happens. Okay, and your worst circuit then? The worst circuit, um, oof, it's a tough one. I've driven around a circuit in America called MSR Houston. Probably never heard of it, but it's pretty horrendous. Um, it's basically just made up of slabs of concrete and none of them are the same height. So you're going down it and you're just getting vibrated to death. <laughs> it's a bit like a bit like Sebring, but not as prestigious. Yeah, because it's, it's, I've, I've driven Sebring as well. And Sebring's cool when you're going around and only a little bit little bit of it's concrete but msr houston the majority of it is and yeah it's not sebring <laughs> maybe maybe should maybe Audi should have gone there to test their cars back in the day so yeah exactly it might, yeah. might make the track a bit cooler then <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm on their website now <laughs> oh god i hate mail now for slagging them off <laughs> um in terms of layouts it doesn't look too bad it's it's quite a cool layout, but the problem is, is the track surface is so bad that you can't actually go very quickly. Yeah. Go too quick, it will just snap the suspension or something like that. Yeah, you just kind of bounce across the track and into the grass yeah. the hard way. They do a Lotus experience. I, I, I couldn't fathom driving something as stiff as an Exige on no, slabs, yeah. slabs of concrete. Yeah, you, you come out with kind of spine broken in three different places, I imagine. <laughs> my word okay so next up is our three car garage um so no limits to countries or anything the only restriction we've got on there is you need to have a dream road car a race car and a play car a dream road car um again is ford mustang fastback classic one um ever since watching bullet as a kid i've loved that car so it's always been my dream car to hopefully buy one day and Race car, um, that's hard to choose. Are we including? Um, I'd have to say the Ford GT Le Mans car just because it it looks so cool. Um, yeah, it's it's just a cool looking car, and obviously it's not the slowest thing either. So yeah, I'd have to say that the GTE, it's a cool car, and then um, play car again would have to probably be um, maybe kind of a drift car. So. Uh, Nissan Silvio S15 with an engine swap in it. That'd be pretty fun to play around in, I'd imagine. Okay, that one surprised me. <laughs> it's a play car. You meant to have fun with it, so what's more fun everywhere? It's a fair point. Okay, so the last question, and arguably the most difficult question, <laughs> is you've been given an elephant. You can't give it away, and you can't sell it. So what are you going to do with it? Um... I'll take it to the, take it on my shopping trips, you know. Instead of taking your car, just take your elephant down to the local shop. Don't have an issue with parking then. You can pop, kind of pop it off wherever you want because it's not a car, so it doesn't matter. And then everyone gets to play with an elephant while you're in the shop. That's a simple solution, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get to stop right outside the store so you don't have to walk far and then go in and get your shopping. You can carry everything you get and then just ride it home, yeah. 
Yeah, but where do you tie your elephant off? You can't exactly tie it off to the bike rack, can you? No, probably just walk off with the bike rack. <laughs> You'd have to teach it like to like sit and stay like a dog or something. Telegraph pole. <laughs> It'd probably walk off with that as well, though. <laughs> just, just come out the shop you just see your elephant halfway down the road with internet goes down across Manchester oh, Matt's <laughs> been to Tesco's again yeah <laughs> and don't the absolute smorgasbord of uh, answers to this uh, yeah I was going to say it's, um, there could be a lot of different ways to go with that and I wasn't sure which way to go with it <laughs> no it's all good it's, it is there is a bit of a left field question and I'm very much looking forward to just collating all the answers when we get to the end of one of our first series and just how crazy it ends up being and the tale of of the BGTF show Elephant. <laughs> so Rick, Rick Parfit, his idea started the same way as yours, but by the time he'd finished fleshing out the idea, he'd pretty much placed an order with Demon Tweaks for various parts for a breeder's elephant. <laughs> the one I the one I like the most like the most so far. No offense to yours. Is, oh, it, is Mia's. If she can find a way to mount it to the front of the McLaren, she might get a bit more grip in the corners. <laughs> just, a, just a small elephant, baby elephant. Yeah, just just get a small one just to kind of weigh the front down a bit. But she, she chose that to not offend the animal friendly people. So <laughs> God knows what her other options were. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think what she was thinking about doing with it if she was going to strap it to a car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's been an absolute pleasure having you. Um, oh, th- thank you for having me. It's been it's been good fun. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, and um, we, we, we'll look forward to getting you on again when we're either celebrating a championship or finding out what's happening next year. Yeah, definitely. That sounds that sounds brilliant. Um, hopefully, I can. Hopefully, I'll be celebrating a championship though. We hope that you enjoyed our interview with Matt Cowley. And don't forget the regular episode of the British GT Fan Show where we'll be looking at Brands Hatch this time will be available on Wednesday for you. Until then, take care and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the British GT Fan Show. Remember the show's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, redistributed or used in any other form without permission. For more information about this, please visit our website www.bgtfshow.co.uk or contact us via our social media at bgtfshow. The British GT Fan Show is a Storm Vixen creative and RPS-driven media production. To find out more, visit our website at www.bgtfshow.co.uk